Welcome to the Living It Up Podcast. This is the Living It Up Podcast, where we explore the changing landscape of competitive golf. In this episode, we preview the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool. We will talk about the course, the contenders, and pretenders. But first, this episode is brought to you by B. Dratty, the leader in performance golf apparel. B. Dratty makes the softest polos you'll ever wear, as well as ridiculously comfortable quarter zips, shorts, t-shirts, and even boxers. Their colors and fabrics are aged naturally by the salt of the ocean for that perfectly lived-in vibe. Head to zero restriction, excuse me, head to bdratty.com and use code LIVINGITUP30 for 30% off your purchase. This is Brian. I am joined by George and PJ Tour winner, Billy Ho the third. Uh, let's kick it to you, Billy. You are the only one of us that has played the Open Championship, and it just so happened to be the 2014 Open at Royal Liverpool. So let's start with your experience. You know, talk us through to a degree the sights, the feelings, uh, you know, of your time at Royal Liverpool. Well, it is the Open Championship, so you know, you you, you slipped up and put the zero restriction in the in the top ad read. Um, I assume our code "Living It Up 30" will still work at at uh, at zero restriction. You know, parent company all owned by the same people, B Dratty, zero restriction, but um, you definitely have to pack a lot of clothes. You, you know, you kind of, you kind of don't know what you're going to get. Um, when I played in 2014, I felt like I got everything you're supposed to get at an open championship. We had some days of beautiful weather. We had nine holes of raining sideways. We had a windy day. We had, you know, so we kind of had the whole thing. So I didn't feel devoid of the, of the full experience. You know, that is the only open championship that I got to play, uh, thus far in my career. And, um, you, you know, it was, there was, there was a surreal moment there during the practice days. I, I, it, I believe it was Tuesday afternoon and, and I was putting on the, on the putting green and I was, it was just by myself. I must've, you know, my caddy must've gone back out to do some work on the course. It was, it was just me just putting, you know, getting, getting a feel for the greens, a little, a little bit different, you know, than, than American putting and greens. So just doing a little bit extra work there. And, um, the, the, the putting greens right behind the clubhouse, right off of the third tee for, for the open championship there at Hoylake. Um, the third, it's actually the first tee for the members. So it kind of makes more sense when you're on property of, of why the putting greens by the third tee, but it's, you know, kind of rerouted for, that that big grandstand around the the 18th green for the Open Championship, which is the members 16th. But and I just kind of looked up and looked around. It was a beautiful afternoon, one of one of the days that was that was gorgeous. And I I kind of just thought to myself, I can't believe I'm here. Like I like I don't like I I thought that I would play golf at a high level. Like I you know set out to be a PGA Tour player, and I was now now an established kind of PGA Tour player at this point. But I was kind of like, wow, I don't know that I actually believed that I'd play a, a British Open, play an Open Championship, and, and here I am. So it was really a fun experience. Um, you know, it, it was cool just to be in be in England. We we shared a house uh, with with Chris Stroud and his family and our two caddies, and and my wife came over, and and we kind of just we we had a really really fun week. Um, the 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 golf course is is challenging. There's, there's no question about that. It's challenging. I think that the, the main thing is the fairway bunkers. You have to keep it out of a fairway bunker. You know, the, the, the notable tiger only hit one driver in 2006 at Hoylake was to stay out of fairway bunkers. He basically just never even hit it 
even with a fairway bunker. He either hit it all the way over them with like a three wood or just hit two iron, four iron or whatever, and stayed short of them. And the, the interesting thing for viewers to watch at, at Hoylake is the bunkers, while they're small, they play very big because all of the fairway surrounding them, it sloped towards them. So while a bunker might be 278 from the, from the tee, it's effectively like 270 because those last eight yards will just kind of keep trickling and trickling and trickling and just trickle into that pot bunker. And, and most of the bunkers, especially fairway bunkers are kind of the pot bunker style where you're going to have a very difficult time moving it, you know, more than a hundred or 150 yards um, based, based on the lie and how far you are from the lip. So it's, um, it, it's a really great golf course. It's a really fun place. And, um, you know, I think we're in, in for a great treat of, of seeing Hoylake again with a couple of new holes, a couple of redesigned holes, 17 and 18, um, 17 significantly redone from, from what was a pretty challenging par four to maybe even a more challenging par four. That's only 139 yards or so they're going to put par three on the card, but it looks like small enough that, that four might be a decent score there a couple of days. And, um, you know, some new tees, uh, bumping some stuff up, you know, um, it, it sounds like maybe they've opened up the eighth tee, um, to, to actually be able to see the fairway. That was, a, that was the one weird, you know, tee shot at Hoylake, um, in 2014, when I played was, was eight was, was, was a blind tee shot. You know, you're kind of hitting it. I think there's a, there was a post out there you were kind of hitting it at, or there was, you know, obviously we get some more, um, things to aim at when they put up grandstands and, and, uh, television towers and cranes and, and and that kind of thing. But I think for everyday play, there's not much to hit it at off of the eighth tee. I think they've now taken some of those trees down from what I've read that might make the, that makes the fairway a little bit more uh, viewable uh, shifted the tee and, and, and moved the angle a little bit to accomplish some of that as well. So um, it's a proper British open, you know, you can, you can hit it, uh, you know, you can hit it in the fairway. Uh, you can hit it in the gorsh. You can hit it in the pricker bushes. You can hit it in the pot bunkers. And, um, you know, the wind obviously is, is, is the big thing, big thing there. Yeah. One uh, thing I was going to ask you about the open championship. I'm sorry. Proper open championship golf course. My, my apologies. Yeah. We were actually looking back at the history of that and it was actually 2005 when, uh, the Royal and ancient, uh, decided to alert the, the American media companies to say, you will now start referring to us as as the Open Championship, as opposed to what we in the states will often colloquially call it the British Open. But one thing I was curious about, Billy, is like how you know you often hear about people just say like it's totally different, right? It's totally different from the American style of golf. You know, we tend to be more target oriented. I, I remember chatting with with Steve Marino at one point, and notably he was a leader, I think, through thirty six holes at the the Open Championship that Stuart Sink won over Tom Watson. But I remember him telling me this story about like how you know our corridors of American courses are generally defined like off the tee. It's sort of like hit it here, work it off of this wind or try to fight this wind or ride this wind. And he was like, I've never played golf where I could aim down like one to one and a half other fairways, just because there's so much of a crosswind that it's like, yeah, that's where I need to start it because I need to ride this wind and it's going to go like a hundred yards, you know, from left to right as, as I move it through the air. And I remember him thinking like it was almost freeing in that regard. Like you could just be more creative with playing the wind or, you know, not as much like fighting the wind. And I'm curious, Billy, like how much of that either creativity or freedom you found in, in link style golf versus, you know, quote unquote, American style golf. 
I actually find it to be the opposite, you know, kind of the, the, the undefined landscape makes it harder for me to define the shot and, and kind of think through and, and commit to the shot that I want to hit. So, um, I much more prefer kind of going through the trees and kind of, you, you know, working it off bunkers and stuff like that, as opposed to hitting it into the abyss and, 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 you know, letting the wind take it or, or, or whatever. So I actually struggle a little bit more personally in my game on the undefined. Um, whereas, you know, the, the American fairways and rough kind of more define, you know, what you, what you need to do in, in a, in a given shot. So, um, the but but it is quite different just as a whole week right so they 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 straight t you know there is no 10th c start although actually at hoy lake in 2014 there was a 10th c start i did start on the 10th in the open championship on saturday the third round they moved tea times up for uh rain that, that was coming in the forecast and they, they did a really good job because about an hour after we played it just hosed down for hours um, but so I did participate in a, in a 10th tee start at the open championship, but I also had something like a three fifty first round tee time PM. So, I mean, like you live a full day and then you go to the golf course to tee it up for real and you get done at like 9 PM and you have dinner. And it, I mean, it was, so there's, there's a whole new piece of that puzzle for sure is, is orienting your days and your tee times and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and and famously, we were looking through the uh, the leaderboard. You did make the cut, uh, finished in in a tie for sixty fourth place. Uh, did beat this guy that no one had ever heard of at the time, Brooks Kepka, who finished tied sixty seventh, and this other guy no one has really ever heard of, Tiger Woods, in sixty ninth place. So, a little bit of trivia there that you did actually clip those two guys. But one thing I'm curious to jog your memory on, Billy, is one of the topics that often comes up during the Open Championship week is the the, the draw and whether you got the good side of the draw versus the side of the draw that got more wind or more rain or more crosswinds, whatever it may be. Did you find that to be the case in 2014? And when you look at uh, sort of the front nine or the back nine, did you, did you look at them in a way that, that caught your eye? Like, Oh, I, I definitely don't want to be into the wind or crosswind on, on this stretch of the golf course. No, certainly for Thursday and Friday, as I recall, it was a pretty fair draw across the, across the board. You know, obviously the, the wind picks up a little bit more as the day goes on and then lays down towards the end of the day and those standard things. But, um, you know, for the most part, uh, that year was, um, uh, we got a very, you know, fair, fair draw across the, uh, across the board. I got, I got a crummy playing partner. I had this young kid who took forever. It was like his first like professional event kind of through their open qualifying system and, I, you know, had this, had this young kid from, from over there. I can't remember if he was British or Scottish or, or, or Irish or, or whatever, but um, he, uh, he just took forever and we got put on the clock on Friday um, as I'm just grinding to make the cut. And these other two guys are, you know, heading home and I'm grinding to make the cut and we got put on the clock on, on 16 and, it was all because of this kid took forever. Only guy I've ever seen. He got a bad time laying it up on a par five right after being filled put on the clock. So out of curiosity, little aside, but in, in that situation where it's like Friday, they're already making plans for Saturday, Sunday, and you're on the line, have a chance to make it. Can you just go and be like, guys, like, let's go. Like, knock it off. You're done. Get out of my way. There might be guys who do that. There, there, there might be guys who would say that, but that's kind of, 
I don't know. I, you know, that'd be, it'd be, it'd be tough. Um, I wasn't, you know, I, again, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't won yet. So I was kind of still in the, especially from a, from an open championship perspective in, in the crummy tea time category, right. As, as, as a second year tour player who's qualified for his first, you know, open championship. And so, you know, sh- short answer is, I mean, I guess there probably are guys who would, but I'm not one of them. So let's I was talk- more, I was more angry at the rules officials. We're being honest, you know, cause they have the, they have the walking rules officials with every group, you know, kind of the, and and so they know what's going on. And then we have the Rover come over who just happened to be slugger white. So I knew him from, from the tour and I was more angry at him. I was like, this is ridiculous. You should be timing one guy. But, and was this your 350 time? So are you fighting daylight? No, no, this was Friday. We played 350 Thursday. And so this was, you know, 10 o'clock. It was, it, you know, it's kind of um, normal-ish. You know, you kind of knew what the what the cut number was going to be and, and, and whatnot. But yeah, so it was normal-ish. But we were, you know, on the clock for the last, for 16, 17, I think. So I wanted to pivot a little bit to the, the history of Royal Liverpool Golf Club. You'll often hear it referred to as Hoylake during the week. That's just the town that it's by. It's actually in a, a town called Merseyside, England. But it was founded in 1869 and, and surrounded by this race course of the Liverpool Hunt Club. And the reason that's going to be significant uh, then and it will be significant in this year's Open Championship is you're going to see this internal out of bounds that comes into play on a number of holes and maybe more uh, more prominently on the, the finishing hole, the 18th hole, a very, very long par five, 607 yards, been lengthened since when you played it in 2014, Bill. At 607, it is going to have this internal OB essentially running down the entirety of the right side. And I'm curious when, when you think about that, that internal OB, you'll find it on some American golf courses. You'll see it, you'll see it over in England from here and there. You know, does that does that creep into your mind? I know it's on a few holes out here. Is it something you're always thinking about? Like, tell me how that plays into, cause, cause you had mentioned sometimes the, the dunescape doesn't always give you the right, you know, routing or like mental picture of where to hit it. Are you extra uh, cautious on areas like that where you just, you're like, I got to just hit this one down the left side. And if I creep it on the left side of the fairway, great. Yeah, you, you, you definitely are. Um, I mean, well, of course you are kind of anywhere when there's out of bounds stakes, right? Like you kind of like steer away from that stuff. Um, you know, while this is like internal out of bounds, it's basically the fan village is where they use it. It's kind of the, the members driving range as I understand it. So it's, it's to the right of three and it's to the right of 18. And, and those are the only shots where it comes into play from my recollection. I mean, you could probably hit it in it, I guess on the second shot on 18, you'd have to probably, you have to work a lot harder, but I mean, I definitely recall, you know, that was in my calculus. I, um, I, I was one clear of the cut on 18 Friday. And so it was kind of like the only way you screw this up is hitting it out of bounds. And so I hit it in the left pot bunker, you know, and, um, splashed it out and made five anyway, but you know, it was, uh, it, you know, it's more just anytime there's, um, on eight, anytime there's out of bounds, right. You're steering away from it, but, but when it is kind of, uh, level with the fairway, it's a little bit weirder, right. When it's not like in the trees or it's not like along a house or it's not, you know, different stuff that, that we experience in America. Um, but you know, on 18, you know, you can see where it is. It's not, it's not hidden. It's not a, it's not a guessing game. 
um, tee shot of, of any stretch. Yeah, I suppose that's what I was working with is I've seen a bunch of drone videos where you can see the earthen wall and like understand the boundary when you look overhead. But I was curious from the tee box, if it's one of those ones where like you don't really know the line. And so you just have to hedge that extra like 15 or 20 yards further because it's tough to know exactly where it creeps in. Not the case from from the tees we played. Obviously, the, the tee has been extended, as you noted. And so I am I suspect it's probably still not the case, but for for especially for for 18. And then and then same thing on three. I mean, three, you have to hit it wildly right with like a four iron to 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 kind of be anywhere close another little bit of history you'd mentioned obviously tiger woods won this back in 2006 this was also the scene of the second leg of bobby jones historic grand slam back in 1930 so a lot of history at the open championship and in fact they hosted a number of open championships uh here during kind of the the, the pre-war era and beyond and it was uh 39 or so years uh, yeah, 39 years when it came back in 2006. And then most notably in, in 2014, when you played Billy, uh, one Rory McIlroy uh, was able to, to pick off his victory. He's now coming off a victory at the Scottish Open. Um, so you, you'd look at him as both rounding into form and having course history here. And while there have been these redesigns, it certainly it's got to feel pretty comfy for him to go to a place that, you know, he's got some uh, some winning vibes. This episode is brought to you by B. Dratty, the leader in performance golf apparel. Ten years ago, B. Dratty started out on a mission to make superior performance golf polos. They traded shiny synthetic fabrics for soft organic Peruvian Pima cotton and kept the details clean and simple. Today, B. Dratty still makes the softest polos you'll ever wear, as well as ridiculously comfortable quarter zips, shorts, t-shirts, and even boxers. Their colors and fabrics are all naturally aged by the salt of the ocean for that perfectly lived-in vibe. Head to bedratty.com and use code LIVINGITUP30 for 30% off your purchase. Thanks to our friends at Bedratty for their support of the Living It Up podcast. Yeah, the redesigns are not that material, it seems like, other than 17, a couple of new tee boxes, you know, a couple of softenings of some greens, you know, the, the eighth hole moving the tee over and maybe the seventh green moved over to accommodate that eighth tee as well. But um, it seems like mostly these are, um, aside from 17, Roy will feel very comfortable um, heading back to Hoylake. The thing I often find that is, and Billy, you can tell me if this is like the wrong perception of this, but because the game is played so much on the ground, you get this firm turf, you get a lot of like fairway bounces and often like whether it's an approach into a par five or maybe like, you know, a lengthy approach into a par four where it seems completely random. And I'm curious as a player, do you feel like that is the case or do you, you kind of know the the, the bumps and, and, you know, nudges that you're going to get either off the tee or, or into the green. I, I think back to even a time when, when Phil Mickelson won the open championship and he hit this ridiculous three wood that into a par five seemed like it was on the ground for darn near a hundred yards. And it took just the right, like three caroms that it needed to take off of these, these, these burns, if you will, or, or like head, like hedgerows that it, it just looked like a miracle but I'd wonder if having played, you know, a number of practice rounds and a few rounds, you kind of, you, you have a sense of like, I know where the bounces are headed. 
I think it's more you have a sense of you know where the bounces are headed. You know, call that 75, 25 if, if we had to put percentages on it. You know, while there's, you know, while we will see, you know, some balls that seemingly look like they're headed in the right direction and carry them, you know, wildly away from the green, I can promise you that the player knew that that ball was one step right the entire time. You, you know, and it's just like, please somehow yeah, get lucky. Low left, yeah. you know, get lucky. So, so more often, more often we do know, you know, where those caroms are and um, especially, you know, for guys coming back who did play in, in 14 um, they'll, they'll have a little bit more of that, that m- memory as well. So more often than not, you know, 75, 25, we know where it's going to bounce based on where we hit it. So how much, you know, American golf typically talks about play through the air. How much of guys that, you know, you think like Phil Mickelson was a great example of he'll never win one because he just loves to play these crazy high shots and do all this stuff and was never known for flighting and controlling his ball. When we're looking at players for the upcoming tournament, how much is, should we be looking at guys who typically play, you know, flight it down, don't hit, you know, massive high bombs, like much more controlled golf? I think for just like any other major, you have to have it all. And and the Open Championship is no different than that. There are shots at Hoylake that, that require you to play it through the air. You, you know, there's some elevated par threes. The the, the sixth hole is a, a long uphill par three. Um, the the thing it's 15s, the a short downhill par three. If I if I have the holes remembering them in my head here, um, no, that's not 15. Might be. 12 or 13 13 13 but um so 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 there's every bit of it you know and then and then when you bring in the wind you know when you're into the wind you got to kind of play it more through the air when when you're downwind you might have to bounce some up so there's 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 a great mix you're gonna have to do it all um you know the the biggest thing at, at an open championship and it and it and it gets more magnified because of the firm turf and because of the firm ground is your spin and you have to control your spin, both your both your quality of strike for for backspin and your and your you know curvature of of the golf ball in the air, no matter whether it's high or low. So you, you know majors and the Open Championship in particular are more about quality strikes than anything else, um, because if you if you make that quality strike, then the ball is going to kind of go generally where you want it to. But when you get that little miss hit the wind eats it up a little bit more and can, can send it places that you, you're not interested in being. So look for ball strikers. This is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. And while we can talk about what we're seeing and hearing from our side of the pond, we wanted to speak with someone on the ground in Royal Liverpool. So we're excited to welcome Taylor Gooch to the pod. He's coming to us from his house outside of Hoylake as he prepares for the Open Championship. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Zero Restriction. For more than 30 years, Zero Restriction has been the leader in outdoor technical golf apparel. Check them out at zerorestriction.com and use code LIVINGITUP30 for 30% off your purchase. Thanks to our friends at zerorestriction.com for their support of the Living It Up podcast. Joining us now from England, Taylor Gooch. Um, Taylor's playing in his third open championship this week at Hoylake. Um, 
Taylor, thanks for uh, thanks for giving us your your time here to talk about the Open coming up uh, this this week at Royal Liverpool. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having us. I'm sitting. Uh, let's see if I'll flip the camera. You can see I'm sitting here looking at Liverpool. It doesn't quite look like Oklahoma. Uh, a little different, but yeah, glad to be here. Terrific. So you are, um, if I'm not mistaken, you're in the Open Championship this year off of finishing top 30 in the FedEx Cup um, last season. Notably, you did not get to play the U.S. Open on because they rewrote the the Taylor Gooch exclusion category is 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 what it, is what it seemed like there. But um, now your third Open Championship. What have you learned the last two years at Royal St. George's and St. Andrews that you'll draw on this week at Royal Liverpool? Uh, that's a great question. Um, the golf course can change quickly uh, in an open championship. Um, so you just, how do I put this? Like almost getting rid of expectations. Like you get out there and it's easy to five holes in if, you know, at, at Royal St. George's, it was, you know, blowing uh, hardly at all. Like, there was hardly any wind, like, early in the round. And on one of the – I forget which round, but one of the rounds, it wasn't blowing much. And, um, you know, I got off to what was a – felt like a mediocre start. I was – call it, you know, even or one over or something through five or six holes. And I just felt like, like, God, like, today's one of those days that, you know, 68's the part. Like, the conditions were perfect and – um, but then they weren't quickly and it got windy and the, and the course got tough and it kind of firmed and, and dried out. And, you know, um, I just, it was one of those moments I'll never forget of like, you just got to stay patient and stay in it because things can change quickly and, you know, for the good or the bad from a weather perspective. And it just completely changes the golf course and what felt like a good score, you know, an hour ago, might not feel like a good score now or, you know, vice versa. And so, um, yeah, you just got to stay patient and, and almost kind of get rid of expectations. So I'm curious your impressions of Hoylake uh, thus far. Much will be made. I've seen a few preview, uh, you know, commentaries and videos. Much will be made this week on the broadcast around the lengthened 18th hole and the new green on 17. I'm curious about those two holes, but also like what other holes as you've gotten on property kind of catch your eye what should what should viewers be looking at for uh for this week yeah i was glad to hear that they uh lengthened 18 because i remember thinking like at the beginning of the week tiger played this place basically with irons and like what because there's still a there's still a few t-balls out there that's like if you're hitting iron you're gonna have a long way in um yeah no so i mean 17 and 18 that's such a cool um finish and uh, yesterday when I played 17, it was 141 yards. And I hit seven iron and it wasn't really even that crazy windy. Uh, it's just going right back in to the ocean or to the, to the water. And it is just such a heavy wind. And so, yeah, there's going to be some, some, uh, probably some crazy things happen, uh, on the last two holes. Um, I, you know, I can't think of a hole immediately that comes to mind, uh, but more so there's some uh, – um, more so than the last couple opens, around the greens there's there's some crazy drop-offs and the greens are small in areas. And so it's just more penal around the greens, much more penal around the greens here than the, the last couple. And so 
Um, it's a type of place that, you know, the, the open at uh, the old course and at Royal St. George is like, they kind of needed some weather to, for the scores not to, you know, be really low. Uh, this course doesn't need that same type of weather for the scores to not be low. Like you, you know, you just don't have as much room and, uh, it's off the tee. It's, it's more penal around the greens and, um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a great challenge this week. Well, it looks like you guys are going to get some weather. At least the, 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 the weather app tells me it's going to rain a good bit of Thursday through Sunday. Is, is that the same thing you guys have locally when you, when you look out towards tournament days and, and how does that affect your preparation now? Yeah, I went by the Callaway tour truck and asked them for an extra set of gloves for the week because I, uh, I, I think it looks like we're going to get some rain. So, um, you know, for me, for preparation, it doesn't change a whole bit. Um, I will say this morning it was raining uh, when I was out the course. And normally I would just say, all right, let's just wait until this is done uh, and pass through. But I just, you know, I kept hitting balls and chipping and putting out in the rain just to start getting acclimated with, with that a little bit. So, um, you know, there's not much you can do to prepare for it. You're either kind of comfortable in it or you're not. You've, we've all played in rain plenty enough. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, there's no magic, you know, potion to figure out how to play in rain. You just, you just got to go do it. You know, you just got to make sure your, your grips are dry and your gloves are dry. And you just like, like the advice you gave me earlier, you got to try to hit it less than everyone else. Yeah, I always like, particularly in the elements, sort of like the uh, the coordination between caddy and player. Where do you put the glove? How do you hand the hand the club so you've you've dried off the grips just so? And and that coordination is always kind of fun to watch, particularly in the uh, the Open Championship elements because it can blow sideways. I- I'm curious though, you've been traveling internationally with Liv for the last year plus. Do you feel like because you've had like that ability to sort of play on different grasses, play on different green speeds, play in different bunker sand? You know, that's that's different than the PGA Tour, where a lot of those things are the same week over week. Do you feel like you've got a leg up? Do the live players maybe have a leg up traveling internationally and acclimating as quickly as you guys do? You know, not not particularly, just because you know anybody, uh, you know, who's a world class player has has competed and and had success, you know, around the world and with different types of grasses. So, you know, all the best players in the world are are pretty comfortable with that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I've definitely, it's, you know, given me some more confidence for sure. But, you know, at the end of the day, everyone has, has played all around the world uh, and, and had success on all different types of grasses and different, you know, conditions and with different elements. So, um, you know, it's been nice to have some success uh, on an international level this, this year and, you know, just playing in a, a couple opens the last couple of years and, and, playing at Wentworth last year and, and the Dunhill links, you know, I've, I've definitely, my, my game has grown uh, from all the travel that I've experienced uh, over the last couple of years and especially over the last 12 months. So you mentioned a, a seven iron from 141. Um, does, does your experience playing in Stillwater where I know it's often very windy, like help you with, with those types of shots and, and being comfortable in the wind that you'll experience at the open championship? Yeah, I mean, you know, still living in Oklahoma, I, it's it's something that I face on a weekly basis. So, you know, it's it's definitely uh, playing in the wind is it's in my DNA. You know, I, I grew up in Oklahoma City, you know, went to school there and and still live there. So, 
uh, it's something that I definitely um, I feel like I do have an advantage in in win golf just because I've just seen it so much more than most guys. And so, um, you know, whenever we get, you know, anywhere in the world and, and to a tournament and the locals will say, you know, ah, it's, you know, it's a windy place here. It, you know, I always say, well, I'm from Oklahoma. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of used to that. Hey, well, Taylor, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for thanks for taking time. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule today. And best of luck this week. Uh, you, you seem well prepared for this. Like you said, uh, you've played in a lot of wind. You've played in a lot of conditions over the years. So uh, best of luck out there. Hit them well, and we'll, we'll, we'll watch you. All right. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Taylor. So I thought we would transition into a little bit of prognostications. And I'm curious, I'll, I'll capture it this way. We often talk about golf as being divided into thirds. So let's do the top third being top 12 players in the OWGR. And I include 12 because Brooks Kepka is, is the 12th ranked player right now. And then the next third, let's go top 60 or so OWGR players. And then give me a, you know, outside of that number. So give me like a dark horse. I'll kick it to you first, George. Give me your sort of, you know, top middle and bottom third players that you, you have your 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 eyes on as we as we go into this open championship i mean you got you look at the top third and i mean rory just won in tough conditions and hit the shots as the conditions were getting worse so he's obviously there scotty scheffler was right there at the end even though he didn't get it done there's only 12 of them george you can't pick them all okay? well, I, like, that's, you get that's to pick the... one okay like in our top third segment here come on I, I mean, I'll just say this. I, if I had to make a choice, the winner's coming from the top third. And, and I'm saying that because you just look at the names that are there. Scotty, Rory, John Rahm, Cam Smith, Brooks, you know, even throw in a Victor Hovland who's been playing pretty solid. Like, I, I think one of those guys is winning it. Which one? I couldn't tell you. But you, you, you look at who's up there and what's going on right now, and it's – there's my there's my statement. I think you look at the top third, and I think it's just so top heavy right now that it's probably coming from there. And that ignored Jordan Spieth. I don't even, I don't think Jordan Spieth's winning this. All right, Billy, I'll kick it to you. Put me on the spot. Who's who's it going to be? Well, I, oh, I guess George doesn't even need to pick through the rest of the rest of the game with a with a dark horse and a, and a whatever. But so um, top third, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Cam Smith coming off a win in London on on live and. Sounds fun to have a back-to-back uh, -back open champion, back-to-back -back golfer, champion golfer of the year. Um, middle third, I mean, well, I'll, I'll tell you who, who who jumped out at me when I saw this was Seamus Power. Um, so I think that would be an interesting one. But of course, Ricky Fowler is also in the in that middle third. So yeah, I, I know, misunderstood. He, he I thought well we were just in the, in the top third when I started talking. I didn't know we were supposed oh, to go. Oh, I, I, he said give you all three. So we'll, oh. we'll come back. You, all right, you lost all right. your turn. You'll go back. Go to the back I'm of the of line. Turn. Go to the back of the line. We'll, we'll right. get back to you. Slow um, Yeah. So yeah, but I'll, I mean, Ricky's in that. I'll, I'll pick Seamus Power though because that just sounds more fun. And then outside the top sixty. I mean, I can pick Dustin Johnson or Taylor Gooch. And, uh, you know, Dustin Johnson is the 79th ranked player in the world. Taylor Gooch is the 101st ranked player in the world. Um, but I don't think that's who you're actually looking for. You're looking for more of a dark horse. But those are those are uh, interesting tidbits that Dustin has fallen all the way to 79th in the world. Um, 
outside of that dark horse, dark horse, I am going to go with. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go with Padraig Harrington. Oh, love that pick. We were talking before we hit record that I am, I am in, I have great respect for, for Padraig Harrington, the ball speed, the uh, commitment to fitness and, and just, you know, getting, getting the ball moving. It, it is amazing to see at his age, what he's able to do and how competitive he's able to be. I'll, I'll go ahead and give you my three. I've been high on Scotty Scheffler all year. I, I saw a stat today that was just mind boggling about how he ranks uh, so high on, you know, strokes gained off the tee approach all around. I mean, it's one of those things where I, I quipped on Twitter half jokingly that he, if he just was a mediocre putter this year, statistically speaking, he he may not have lost an event. He may have just won every event that he teed it up in because he has not putted well statistically and he still competes at every event and, and obviously has won a few as well. And so I'm going to look at, at him as a guy that he's got to revert back toward toward the mean. He's going to have a decent putting week. You had talked, Billy, that putting on these greens is just different than, you know, American 13 on the stint meter greens. And so I think he'll find it. I think he's the best ball striker in the world by a wide margin. I'm going to go Scotty Scheffler at the top. I was very, very close to, to pulling the trigger on Seamus Power, but because, Billy, you mentioned his name, I'm going to go to my next guy in that middle third, and that is Min Woo Lee. I've been very, 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 very keen on Min Woo Lee. I just like his, I like his swag. I like his, uh, I like his ball striking, and I think it'd be fun to watch. Uh, and then down the board, I, I don't know why. Uh, I just, I've always liked the Hogard twins. I was joking that I never know which one is is better than the other. But Rasmus Hogard won an event uh, on the DP World Tour a few weeks back, and so I'm going to go Rasmus. Rasmus Hogard is my as my dark horse down the board. George, I'll kick it back to you since you didn't understand the rules of, in play. You can, give us, you can give us the rest. That's right. I'll take my stroke penalty. Um, so I think since Billy took, uh, well, kind of half took uh, Ricky Fowler in the middle third, who just based on his recent play is it's hard to think that he's there, but that's what the WGR tells us. Um, I, I'm actually going to go, and this is not a a live homer pick, but just because of shot shape, creativity, everything else, I, I'm going to take Patrick Reed. And I don't really like him very much, but I don't know. It just seems like a guy that's just got to get up and down from everywhere and move it and do his thing. Um, I think he could be, make some noise here and he's sitting 51 in the world right now. Um, and then going down outside of that, Ooh, I, I did see one that caught my eye that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, well, I guess if you can take him and it's it's low-hanging fruit, um, I'll take Dustin Johnson. Because, <laughs> I it, like I said, I, I feel like it's got to come out of the top. Um, I think that's against the spirit of the game here, but... Um... All right, all right. Let me, let me look at the... Let me look at the field again real quick. Um... And just see who who caught my eye as being extremely interesting. Um, you know, you got Marcel Seam. He's he's interesting. I don't know how he plays. I think Nikolai Hogarth would just 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 go up against Brian with you know just make a make a bet on the brothers or something. Yeah, you know, have a bet there. there, 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 there an, is there an odd? Is there a low Hogarth? They don't have a <laughs> special one on low Hogarth. They're just missing out on. <laughs> and low Fitzpatrick. That's another one. We got to talk. Yeah. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Sammy Valamaki, just cool. because he looks like if he misses the cut, you want to go party with him, 
And if he wins, you definitely want to go party with him. Uh, I, I will give you one uh, just real quick as we start to tar- start to, to wrap this up. I love coffee golf in general, but this is like coffee golf at its finest. And I was looking back through, cause I know the, the, the famous legendary British open starter, Ivor Robson, I may be pronouncing that correctly, but the guy that was like, you know, now on the tee, Billy Hurley. And I'm curious, Billy, like you, you had that introduction. Did you, did you, were you expecting it? Did it, did anything catch you off guard? Cause I used to love the way he would say just like Lou Eustazen, or he'd like had that little way of, of, of introducing. Tiger Woods. <laughs> no, that was the best one. It was right. Tiger Woods. Um, but uh, yes, yes, we did. We did have him uh, when, when I was there, did, did, did have that. Um, I think, yeah, expecting it. Right. So it was kind of, it was definitely cool um it was definitely uh but 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 kind of knew knew what was coming i will say that um granted we did tee off first on sunday so but so so there were maybe not as many people there but there were still a lot of people there sunday first tee uh first off it was so quiet when i hit my first tee shot like i almost backed off because it was too quiet it was just definitely quiet on the first tee in kind of the horseshoe they had set up in the grandstand. So, you know, the, 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 the last thing I'll say about the open championship is that what's so what's, what's maybe more fun about playing there than playing in America is the fans are proper golf fans. If you hit a good shot to 30 feet, they will clap because they understand that. Yes, you only had 60 yards to the green, but the proper shot was to hit it 30 feet left of the pin. And that was what you were supposed to do. And they will clap for that. Conversely, if you have a chip and you hit it to five feet, they might not clap because like it wasn't that good. And that's fair. That one wasn't that good. I'll give it to you. So it it, it really was maybe not so much fun to not get clapped for when you hit to five feet. Cause like, you know, chipped it to five feet. Cause in America, they kind of do that. But um, I call it the, you know, clap for contact in America you make contact, you get applause, but the, the, but the, the proper understanding of how difficult the pitch you had was, or the bunker shot that you had was, and the fact that you hit it to 30 feet or you hit it to 15 feet is worthy of admiration and worthy of applause is, 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 it's the fun way to, to play in the arena. That's interesting. Like, I mean, we assume that you don't, I mean, obviously you don't hear sort of the, the yelling after tee shots and things that you do at U.S. events, but it is it is nice to hear that I guess there's a more refined and educated fan uh, when you when you go to the Open Championship. Yeah, and it's funny to think back about like early memories, like my early memories of watching the British Open. It was like pre HD TV and like that grainy image where it's like coming across the Atlantic and it's just extra grainy and you get these weird camera angles, but I always, I always uh, maybe have a little bit of nostalgia for the open championship, just for some of those reasons about like early, early mornings, you're seeing, you're seeing the leaders wrap up at a, at a reasonable time and you got the rest of the day to, to, to enjoy the summer. But boys, I, uh, I look forward to covering the open championship and who the eventual winner is. We'll see if it comes from one of our, uh, our picks there, but boys, this was a fun one and we will catch you this time next week. See you boys. Thanks for listening to the Living It Up podcast. Follow us on the Twitters at Living It Up Pod.
See you there.